Welcome to Audible Interlude, a G.I. Joe podcast. I'm your host, Dave West, codename Phantom Troublemaker. And I am your co-host, Noel Wood, codename Crapshoot. And I'm your Cobra intern that's your weather guy. And have I got news for you. <laughs> codename Legion Cub. <laughs> uh, uh, you can... You can find us at Audible Interlude Podcast on Instagram and at G.I. Joe Audible on Twitter. Uh, and if you follow us on Instagram, you will be able to interact with us to a greater degree, including a segment called Sound Off that we do in our live streams, uh, where you get to suggest topics for us to discuss. Uh, you can also send us messages, uh, tag us in stuff. We'll reshare your posts, whatever. We like to interact on the Instagram. It's fun for us. Speaking of Instagram, you can go there and find links to our newest t-shirt, a collaboration with Slickalicious. We like to call it Visit Beautiful Baraka Beach. It's some incredible 80s inspired artwork of Cobra's resort town, Baraka Beach. Uh, go take a look at that. Get yourself a t-shirt. But as I always say, wait for a sale. T Public has sales all the time. So uh, wait for a sale on that shirt. Um, we've also got several other, other designs available in many sizes, styles, and colors. Uh, schedule wise, man, we have come out of a, 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 a big run. We had our Cobra Convergence episode that was, uh, it's currently available on the Needless Things YouTube channel, and the audio version is available wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, we also did a live countdown of the Dragonfly. Now, we're recording this before that happens, so we have no idea what happened with the Dragonfly. Did it fund? Did we get crazy legs? Who knows? Whoever's listening to this probably already does. Actually, you know what? Let's check in. We're here right now. Uh, let's see I where we're at. Had it up just now. It is uh, the Sunday. This is July 16th as we record this, the day before the Dragonfly ends. And it is 18.583. Noel, I think you're right. I think we're probably going to hit 19 before the day's over. Yeah, because we checked on this like less than two hours ago and several hundred have come through since then. Yeah. So, I guess so... I'm just going to have to stay up all night because I need my pledge to be the one that unlocks to be 19,000 <laughs> that's well that's why we call you crazy legs christian i mean that's where the I nickname it was came for from. the tap dancing <laughs> okay well now you've just obligated yourself to something in our dragon con <laughs> panel uh all right so so bring your uh what do tap dancers don't tap dancers carry around particle board or something to tap dance on? I don't I know. I think you're thinking yeah. of break dancers and cardboard. That's a whole different thing. Well, no, but the, uh, the tap dance troupe, uh, <laughs> Oh gosh, I can't think what they're called now. There's uh, a GI Joe tap dancing troupe. Yeah, like yes. And we're going to, we're going to interview them, uh, <laughs> on our next live stream, which is July the 31st. And that's all we got. That's our next thing. We 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 have uh, we no more big events to to announce right now, which is kind of a nice feeling, to be honest. Uh, Cobra Convergence Seven is still occurring as we speak. Noel, do you want to tell us about it? Cobra Convergence, uh, of course, uh, was put together by Hooded Cobra, Cobra Commander 788, who we just had on our last live stream for Cobra Convergence, uh, along with Form BX uh, 257 and uh, Half the Battle Timmer. 
Um, and of course, they were Joe reviewers. You decided to kind of do some collaborative content. Uh, and that has just expanded throughout the years. And um, now, of course, every day in the month of July, there is new Cobra Convergence content from different creators, sometimes twice in the same day. Uh, so check out uh, all that stuff because it's uh, uh, just tons of content, more than more than you, know, you can even possibly imagine getting through in the course of one month. Yeah, we shared a day with Action Robot Punch. Uh, and uh, check out that YouTube channel if you have not. And also please check out the Needless Things YouTube channel where we conduct our live streams uh, and where you can find toy reviews of not just G.I. Joe, but all kinds of other stuff like Masters of the Universe, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, uh, lots of current and vintage toy lines. But I just reviewed basically the whole new wave of classified uh up on there and arctic bat should be coming soon if it's not up already actually it's probably up already uh if big bad you guys so you know how i do my pre-order roulette uh for whatever reason i think it's because we were on the road i think we figured that out i didn't order any arctic bats from hasbro pulse because I think by the time they went up, I we had to get back on the road. We were in the middle of a road trip. Uh, so I ordered from Big Bad and Amazon. Big Bad got them in before Amazon. Amazon is still showing September as of this recording. Uh, whereas Big Bad shipped mine uh, last Friday. That is July the 7th. And they will get here on, or they're supposed to get here on July the 17th. Because DHL. DHL is still a thing for some reason. Yes. And if you if you use Big Bad's Super Saver $4 shipping, sometimes they ship at FedEx and you get it in like two days. Sometimes they ship at DHL and you get it in like a week and a half. That's just the chance you take when you play pre-order roulette. <laughs> uh all right, you guys got any other intro material? Anything else you want to discuss or get out of the way? I, I'm ready to save the world. Yeah. Well, we've, we've got plenty of shows, so let's get to it. And now it's time for Rank and File Card, where we take a look at the file cards that were on the back of the G.I. Joe figures uh, in order, starting with the 1982 wave and continuing on. So today we are looking at Joe's first female figure, Counterintelligence, codename Scarlet, file name O'Hara, Shayna M. Her serial number is RA24296743. And as we do these, uh, we're going to keep checking back on these serial numbers to see if they stayed the same uh, throughout the different variations of the figures that happen later. Uh, her primary military specialty is intelligence. Her secondary military specialty is classified. Her birthplace is Atlanta, Georgia, and her grade is an E5, which, based off of what we have learned from your dad, I already feel like that is very low for someone <laughs> whose second specialty 
is classified. <laughs> well, but, we will uh, we'll find out what he has to say yeah, about that. But it's the 80s. There's a glass ceiling. So let's move on. <laughs> Scarlett's father and three brothers were martial arts instructors. She began her training at age nine and was awarded her first black belt at age 15. Graduated. Advanced Infantry Training and Ranger School, Special Ed, Covert Ops School, Marine Sniper School, Special Air Service School, Marine Taekwondo Symposium, and she is a qualified expert on the M14, M16, the M1911A1, the M79, the M3 a1, the M700 Remington sniper rifle, the MAC-10, the XK-1 power crossbow, which was why I had to own this figure. She was the first Joe I got, and it was because of that crossbow. Throwing stars, Garot, and Kabar. <laughs> so so before... Before hey, we move on, we got we've got we've got some stuff to unpack here. Yeah. Uh, first of all, birthplace Atlanta, Georgia. That right there made her one of the coolest action figures I even owned when I was a kid. <laughs> yep. Well, and she is the only Joe character for representing the state of Georgia, which is wild considering Wait, some of, of all the, of them. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Considering some of the accents that were present in Sunbow, <laughs> yeah. it's it's a little shocking that more aren't from Georgia. Well, there's a lot from our neighboring states, but yes. for some reason, <laughs> yes. Georgia got only the one. Like Florida's got a bunch. Uh, I think Alabama has several. Oh, no, Alabama only has Beachhead. Yeah. Well, and, and and obviously we do have to note Scarlett O'Hara. I mean, yes. yeah, that's yes. the reference here, and it's a fine one. It's uh it's it's it, you know it is codename Scarlet Shanna M O'Hara. It's not like Vincent R Falcon Falcone. <laughs> um, I do really like the and again I'm I'm revisiting a lot of these for the first time really or at least for the first time in many years, uh, and to realize that secondary specialty is classified. What the heck? specialties even would be classified like interrogation like what well that's so i don't remember that from when i was a kid but when i was looking at it for tonight's episode it had me thinking well okay so she is intelligent like in those first wave of figures she is what i would have considered sort of like you know the spy person so maybe it's not necessarily that what she did is classified but it's classified information to whoever you know to hawk who's putting these together because she is just that specialized like, she's just undercover. that awesome just yeah. that awesome of an e5 well yeah. i'm thinking you know she's if she's an intelligence op Theoretically, she's going undercover. Mm -hmm. So her secondary military specialty, we would want to keep classified because we would not want the enemy to know that because they may then be able to root her out. Well, we, or, or much like Wonder Woman in the Justice Society, 
her military specialty is classified. Like she classifies things. <laughs> she collects she, classified action figures. Yes. She she designates things. that is a mammal. That <laughs> yes. is a reptile. That is an airplane. How annoying would that be? <laughs> I uh, have one job on this ship. It's I stupid, <laughs> but I'm gonna do it. Uh, I think it's funny the the concept that that anything she might uh, be skilled at is classified, but everybody's a okay with knowing that she is a qualified expert in the garrote, which <laughs> is using people is using a piece of string to choke somebody. Yeah. Like how. How expert do you need to be in that, really? <laughs> Is there a training program? So there were a couple of things that I had to look up here because they're a little different from our normal M1911A1 and M14 that we've seen on all of these file cards. Um, I appreciate the Marine Taekwondo Symposium, uh, which, which, of course, as we all know, is just an inroad to the Kumatai. <laughs> um, the... XK1 power crossbow. So I threw that into the Google and that is Scarlet's crossbow. It's not an actual model of any kind of crossbow. It's 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 like the laser rifle, like it's developed just it's it's just hers. It's not based on any actual crossbow. Uh the Kabar, however, is an actual US Marine Corps fighting knife uh that is pretty awesome looking if i'm being honest uh it has a really cool like wood grip handle although it looks like that varies from from model to model but the overall shape of the blade is fairly unique and specific so she is uh, a qualified expert in the use of this combat knife uh, even though it is not on her person but i would like to see this worked into uh if we get a nice retro scarlet classified figure she came with two knives with her first. Oh, she did, didn't figure. she? Mm-hmm. I can't reach that right now. But I would love to take a look and see if one of those is the Kabar. I'll tell you what, I'm going to grab that figure so we can check that out. Uh, Christian, do you want to continue with the quote from Hawk? Yes. Scarlet is confident and resilient. It's remarkable that a person so deadly can still retain a sense of humor. So she was Guardians of the Galaxy before Guardians of the Galaxy was a thing. <laughs> I like I mean this this whole file card really paints her as being pretty special. Yeah. Um because if there's no mention about uh martial arts at all in Snake Eyes's uh bio at this point. Um, that came later. Mm-hmm. So she's the only one who we really know to be like a true martial arts expert on the GI Joe team. Um, and, you know, she's, she's an expert in, I believe more weapons than anybody we've seen thus far. Um, right. And yes. she's specifically described by, we, we presume general Hawk as deadly. So, you know, pretty, pretty, pretty important stuff here. And that's the thing that stuck out to me as a kid. Um, not that I knew what any of those weapon designations meant, but like you pointed out, Noel, she specialized in more than 
anybody else. So to me, she was highly important. When I played, she was on every single team and she was deadly. She could kill you with her hands, her throwing stars, a crossbow. Not that she like reveled in killing, but she was the person that, you know, again, you sent undercover to get behind that enemy line and take them out. And out of all the Joes, she was the one that by the time the cartoon came out, her personality in the cartoon was so different from this that I was really disappointed. You know, she's illustrated a lot better in the comic. Yeah. I I had not really remembered this until you were talking about that just now. And I remember now my play pattern was Scarlet prior to really the anything else taking hold. She was more the snake eyes than snake eyes because Mm -hmm. she had those visible weapons on her. Mm-hmm. she was the sort of the killing machine, like you were saying. And I, I didn't really remember that at all until you, you said that. And I was like, and it was also, I think her color also had a little bit to do with that mm-hmm. and that she's just more dynamic looking than any of the others. Uh, but looking at this classified Scarlet, this is a great figure. I know people aren't crazy about the, the blackout designs, but I really, I think this is a great action figure. Uh, she actually has, three knives uh she has one on the front of her bandolier and then two that go into her quiver uh on the on the back none of them are kabar knives Mm. but they are all very cool looking this this is a great figure and i still think the face looks like uh kirsten dunst so as a as a kid by 1982 my only exposure to throwing stars was my shogun warrior dragon who had the throwing star launcher on his arm so the fact that she had the throwing stars Uh, on her gloves i thought it was not something you removed and threw it it shot shot yeah 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 so then how she had the pistol (laughs) on the other arm i thought Oh, that's cool. She has a gun like she doesn't even have to hold. Right. She has her crossbow and her gun that can just shoot like the throwing star. That's awesome. I was a special kid. (laughs) No, that's great. And it it, honestly, it makes more sense than her having a gun stored on her wrist. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, this is one of the more involved uh biographies that we've read thus far uh, clearly a little extra went into her uh larry hama wanted this character to be just a little bit more uh and so to move on because we enjoy getting a perspective from a former uh actual member of the military that is my dad retired lieutenant colonel tom west codename mongoose who was right there with me in 1982, enjoying the GI Joe stuff. I think possibly a little bit more than I was even, but never got into the lore. Doesn't have any familiarity really with the characters. If I said, Hey, what do you think of Scarlet, the GI Joe? He would have no idea what I was talking about. So (laughs) I have been sending him these file cards to get his uh, thoughts about 
just the information that's on the file cards. Uh, and this is, uh, what his, his feedback was for Scarlet or who he, because his, when he sends his notes back, he references what's at the top of the file card. He doesn't use the code name or file name. So his, his response is counterintelligence. Uh, with a grade of E5 sergeant, she has apparently spent all of her active duty time going to schools. No mention of combat service or special missions. These cards needed to give time on active duty to be more realistic. With all the schools <laughs> she has attended, I would think the grade of E6 would be more appropriate. So once again, consistency, uh, because there's always, usually the rank is always questioned just a little bit. Uh, and the lack of mention of active duty, uh, is always also mentioned. And I honestly, I think probably the reason that was kind of left out of the cards is while the comic got into, you know, tours of duty in Vietnam or whatever, I think as far as the toy line went, they didn't want to get too specific about real world military stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it kind of makes gives sense. you that sliding timeline. Yes. Yes. Uh, so there it is. That is Scarlet. Uh, we've got the file card art. Amazing. It really is. Uh, we do not yet have a figure that captures the portrait that's on this art. Uh, and it's a shame because I would really like to see this statuesque strong jawed look uh that's on this this file card mm -hmm. as and a I know figure it's not a popular opinion but i really want a short-haired scarlet i do too no when yeah. when we get when we get the retro scarlet i want there to be three hair pieces i want the ponytail the short hair like like this which this isn't really short hair. This is a longer short haircut. And then a straight up like Bob short, mm. like the figure look. Cause the figure doesn't really even look like this. No. Right. Uh, so I, I would love to see that. Or if you're not going to do that, you know, throw in, you know, the, the flight helmet that Glenda has, you know, do that kind of stuff. But I do feel like we're probably going to get multiple hairstyles. Once we get that retro Scarlet. This is it, folks, the final chapter of the Revenge of Cobra. Using a laser course stolen from G.I. Joe, Destro activates the Weather Dominator, an incredible weapon which controls the forces of nature itself. The Joe team repels a lightning attack on Washington, D.C., and the Weather Dominator explodes into three parts, setting off a chain reaction of natural disasters around the world. G.I. Joe and Cobra each recover one of the parts. But Sartan, in a bold and surprising maneuver, captures the third part and offers it to the highest bidder. Roadblock Duke, Snake Eyes, and Hondo Lu encounter the voracious Bolt Monsters. And Flint and the other Joes are buried beneath an avalanche of ice as we begin our final episode of G.I. Joe, The Revenge of Cobra. Part 5, Amusement Park of Terror.
The original air date is September 14th, 1984, directed by Dan Thompson and written by Ron Friedman, as this entire miniseries was. Uh, this miniseries is not included in the season DVD sets, but was available in a set with the original miniseries, and of course is available in the Foot Locker uh, from Shout Factory, and then is, I think, also included in the current DVD box set that you can buy from Walmart for... I think it's around 40 or 50 bucks, something like that. Well, 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 well worth it. Uh, so this is it. We have reviewed the prior three episodes. We did not review episode one. Uh, and I think we've kind of agreed we're going to have to come back around to it, which is bizarre, but <laughs> that's how these things work sometimes. Uh, but we've had a blast talking about this one. Once again, you guys, well, actually, before we get to this time on, or, or before we get to where we left off, Something I noticed in the opening that I had not noticed in the other times we've watched this, because when when the opening is playing, and I, I do go through the whole theme song, I want to hear it, I love it, but I'm kind of getting my notes ready, I'm, I'm thinking about, okay, I'm going to get my video here, I'm going to do whatever. This time I sat and I just watched the opening, and something very, very similar to the Dreadnought vehicle the the dreadnought trike or motorbike or whatever it was called that was released in the original line something very similar to that is in the opening of this and i had no recollection of that being a thing prior because i think that came out in like 86 maybe 87 even yeah it was later uh and so the dreadnoughts are on three-wheeled motorcycles in the opening of this never noticed it before it's just kind of interesting to see that uh and then the announcer during the recap which our listeners just heard i love every single time this announcer says duke because he doesn't say duke he says duke (laughs) duke is in peril uh and i believe he also calls the tron snakes in the arena of sport moat monsters is that what it was i think that's what he said i listened to it like three times (laughs) And I, I'm still not positive, but I believe he said moat monsters. And again, listeners, you just heard it. So if you heard something different, let us know. Uh, Audible Interlude Podcast on Instagram. So we return with some of our Joes are being covered by an avalanche that Zartan triggered uh, with his weird blaster pistol that <laughs> lights up that they featured in the recap. Like that one scene of the noise of the gleam of his pistol, Mm -hmm. they had to include. uh, And then Flint, with this classic line, fire your lasers, ice Ice melts. melts. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, thank you for the physics lesson, Flint. I I put in my notes, thank goodness G.I. Joe has lasers and not guns. (laughs) Well, and that's what's funny, too, is the fact that he said fire your lasers, like, which is something I might adopt for my YouTube reviews because apparently YouTube <laughs> is, is uh, there's an algorithm that does not like it when you say gun, mm. uh, which is possibly part of why Linny and company referred to the guns as blasters or whatever. Well, if you ever go on like any of the Facebook groups, especially the ones where people are selling stuff, you I, have to, well, you, uh, the people say pew uh, w because it. they know that <laughs> right. You know, I know. Flagged. So, yeah, I might just start calling them lasers uh, and then I'll melt some ice. Uh, And then we get an answer or or a partial answer to a question we had uh, recently. 
is how many different kinds of javelins did we see Lady J use? And right here we get what? A diamond. That's right. Because She's diamonds a- are a guy's best friend. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, that, to me, that javelin made sense. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, well, I mean, they to an extent, they all do. Um, what doesn't make sense is how she fits that many in that pack. No, no, no. It's fine. It's <laughs> fine. Uh, so, so uh, Flint and company melt the ice. It's in a big ice thing around them. Lady J uses her diamond javelin to cut a door in it. They walk right out. You guys, I love the Joe team's positivity <laughs> because they've just lost the, is it the ion correlator, I believe? Or is it the power core? This is the power core. Power the core, power yes. core. They've just lost the power cord. Yeah, the ion correlator is the box, the most boring piece of the entire thing. Uh, they've just lost the power cord to Zartan. They almost got killed by an avalanche, but they're laughing and smiling as they shout, shout Yo, Joe! They're so delighted. <laughs> they're so excited for the next event. I, they're happy that Zartan got that power core because it means they get to keep having adventures. Yep. Yo, Joe. Uh, speaking of laughing, here's Zartan with an amazing Zartan. Okay. Who do you guys think has the best laugh in all of G.I. Joe, a real American hero? Mm. Zartan's is pretty good, but Zartan's is up there. Destro's is great. Zartan gets that reverb on his, that <laughs> like the echo that's are, that's already present in his voice for reasons that are undetermined. Yeah, He's got this- that laugh, it may, Zartan is unhinged. Yes. Like when every, I feel like like Destro, Cobra Commander, when everybody else does theirs off of whatever maniacal thing they say, it's always like two other people. And Zartan had not even said anything yet. He's just laughing. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. Just, you're right. I, love the portrayal of Zartan in this mini series so much. You're right in that everyone else's laughs are usually a response to something, but Zartan's laugh is the setup. Right. Like he's already thinking something that is making him laugh and 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 the follow-up to his amazing villain laugh is I adore seeing a scheme come together. I it's- call him Zartanable. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a hundred percent. I love it when a plan comes together. Uh endorsing a scheme to come together. It's so stimulating. <laughs> what a bizarre choice of words. Uh, it was, for, this was this was for a childhood entertainment. For, so for a living chameleon man to utter <laughs> in a children's cartoon in 1985. Uh okay. I love Anytime we get miniature versions of the battlefields and mm-hmm. setups and whatever else, uh, clearly Zartan is into toy photography. Mm-hmm. He's got his diorama there. Uh, it, it's just always a nice touch to see those things like that. The, I mean, that's that is pure supervillainy to build a little tiny version of well, your well, base he, in this case. Well, and, and I love build the- it. Did he build it though? Because living in the land of theme parks, 
they always have their miniatures. But of- are there miniatures the actual control boards for the things in the theme park? Okay. He, made, he made some Fair he point. made some adjustments. Yeah. But like I love the fact that Zartan's base of operation is apparently like an abandoned amusement park. That's that's the best villain lair of of any of the Cobra sub teams. Well, obviously, uh, the entire concept of the killing joke was just stolen from this episode. <laughs> well, because it totally comes into play later in some of the best WTF moments. Which, which of course, for our listeners is, what the freak? Yeah, because <laughs> Zartan is. He's the kind you don't take home to mother. My, my only gripe here is that... Uh, it's called Bayou World Amusement Park. And um, folks, this is not in the Bayou. They, <laughs> they refer to this as the Bayou multiple times. You can say this is down in the Everglades because clearly it's somewhere down in like South Central Florida. Um, but no, nobody calls the swampy areas in Florida the Bayou. No. <laughs> that's so that's wait, the Louisiana what, thing. What distinct? Because my note on the. Okay, well, actually, first, before we get to that, we've got the control board. And Zartan is like, we, we have to activate the broadcast transmitter to let Joe and Cobra know that we've got the power core. And his broadcast transmitter is apparently a roller coaster. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because it's as good. he says this, the roller coaster rises up out of the ground, which, by the way, why? It's already an amusement park. Why do you need a secret roller coaster? <laughs> Reasons. It's not the Cobra Temple, which also rises up out of the ground. Well, maybe People? he got maybe he got a deal like when he when he when he accepted <laughs> this gig from Cobra and they were like, OK, we've got an extra one of got, these gigantic screw mechanisms. Yeah. You want me to hook it up to your roller coaster? It's at some point like, you know, Mars Industries designed this uh, device that allows things to rise out of the ground and go back. And you know what? Everybody associated with Cobra at some point in time had to have a piece of that technology. It's just yeah. like. It's just like in the 90s when all of uh, the the executives bought Miatas. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing. Is that, oh, that's a pretty cool thing that rises up out of the ground you got there. Uh, how much was that? Oh, you know, it was uh, it was this much, but I, I got a deal on it. I talked the guy down. Oh, I'm, I might be interested in getting a thing that rises up out of the ground. Okay, well, here's here's where I went. You can check this out. Definitely what happened here. Good call, guys. I, that's it. That's the win. Uh, so my note is Zartan is in Bayou Country. That's that they, they only refer to this as Bayou Country and the swamps, which I said is Sunbow for Louisiana. What uh, what makes this not Louisiana? Well, they show like on the maps that they're showing, it's clearly like a long peninsula. The maps are green blobs that have <laughs> no correlation to anything at all. Well, it, but <laughs> later in the episode, there is a scene that does involve the water. And when you look, that's not Bayou Country. That's not even the Everglades. Like it's an open water well, area mm-hmm. so it's actually they're not in a swamp here is my theory here is my theory uh i don't know if you guys have i would imagine some of our listeners have but have you played uh red dead redemption 2 not 2 
In, I played in, one, not two. Well, yeah. Red Dead Redemption is probably the same way. I haven't played the first one. So the map is just this big batch of geographical nonsense. The 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 Arctic is up here. The Pacific Northwest is over here. The swamp is over here. The desert is over here. It's all one country, but every climate and geographical representation you can think of is in this one area. And I think the Sunbow verse is that. I think it's Lemoyne. <laughs> I think it's like, I it's, think that's what we're looking at here. When you've seen like the maps of the US, the, the states are in really odd uh, configurations, whatever Cobra Commander is viewing a US map. It's, it is a map as drawn by foreign individuals who have <laughs> never seen a map of America. And that's fine because it's the Sunbow verse. Uh, so as Zartan is sending out his broadcast saying, Hey, schmucks, I've got the, uh, power core here and the highest bidder gets it. Uh, we see Cobra commander and I like the continuity of his control console is still smashed, uh, from, from what we saw, uh, in, in the past episodes. And then (laughs) when Cobra commander sends Destro out after Zartan, he says, set course for the Bayou. Mm-hmm. So it's so general. Uh, and my question, which Noel, you've already answered, because they say Bayou so many times, I thought, oh, well, wait a minute. Is the is the amusement park that he's in actually called Bayou Country? But it is not. It said there's a sign that says Bayou World Park. Yeah. Uh okay, so. Joes are going after Zartan, Cobras are going after Zartan, wait, they're converging. Does Cobra Commander have his other moment during this? Oh, yes. Yes. So I've got it in my notes. Okay. Because you mentioned the panel, his computer, the one part that was destroyed. He has this line. Now I have to do the one thing I hate the most. Be patient. Yes. And then he picks up a chair and smashes the other computer (laughs) console. Yes. Because that's that's what you do when you have to wait for something. (laughs) Uh He's so good. Uh, so then we return to Roadblock, Snake Eyes, Duke, and Hondaloo West, who are just still in the arena of sport. They've been left unattended with the moat monsters, or Tron snakes, as I call them. As much as the Tron snakes don't make sense, I really did enjoy seeing Roadblock whack one with one of those floor panels they pulled up. The the combat with the Tron snakes is pretty fun. How do you guys feel about this scene? So over <laughs> okay. One of them makes a comment. I think it was Roadblock. I don't want to get gobbled up. And I'm like, how how are you getting gobbled up? Right. Because they're not solid, but then one pick grabs him like with its mouth and picks him up. Yes. And I'm like, but but there's nothing there. If it, it can swallow you whole and you should just fall right back through to the floor. But okay, suspension of disbelief. Um, because I thought they were like lasers. So if it touched you, you know, it hurt you. Were, you. You, you were cut in half or incinerated yeah. or whatever would happen when a laser grid snake made contact with you, which which by the way, why even be a snake? Why not just be like 
a laser stick because well, your not name as fun. is Cobra. <laughs> right, right, exactly. And also, I mean, granted, you know, there were probably never any plans to make a toy of her, but during this fight scene and a little bit after, Honda Lou shines. Okay, we've got a conversation coming later in the episode. So sa- save that for right like, now. But we yep. are going to talk about Honda Lou's accomplishments. Um, one of which, okay, so we, we've got a little combat with the Tron snakes. And then we get Duke, who has apparently been watching Doctor Who, because he <laughs> says, we've got to reverse the polarity, which is the most classic <laughs> Doctor Who solution to like everything ever. So then. He proceeds to say, here, civilian, perform some preposterously dangerous gymnastics. Oh, and try not to get electrocuted. Duke, Snake Snake Eyes, who is a ninja, by the way, and Roadblock are just hanging out, standing around. Snake Eyes might as well. I mean, he's as useful as Junkyard. In this fight, <laughs> that's that's Snake Eyes and Sunbow just in general, though. Yeah, my <laughs> gosh. So, because that that when they toss Honda Lou, she is like pink rangering it. Yes, I was just like, Wha-? well, and they have no idea what this person's capabilities are to begin no. with. <laughs> she's a truck. She she's a truck driver. A you guys, you guys. Next time you're at Bucky's. Why don't you why don't you walk up to your local truck driver and say, hey, I've got a question for you. Um, if 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 you've got just a moment, how would you feel about this scenario? Ask them if they think they could do gymnastic flips up to live electrodes, bend one into the other and not get caught in between them. Just just find your average trucker and ask them how they feel about that. And this is not disparaging truckers, by the way, truckers are literally the lifeblood of America. And the reason that I have this delicious, uh, line and Kugel summer shandy in front of me right now, everything in this country would stop. If it were not for truck drivers, they are incredibly valuable resource underpaid, overworked, underappreciated. Uh, but I do not think many of them could accomplish what the incredible agent known as Honda Lou West accomplished in this episode, the amusement park of doom. Mm-hmm. So Duke snake eyes, red block and Honda Lou were left entirely unattended in the arena of sports. Uh, and then we're back up to Zartan who thus far in the miniseries has been portrayed as like really the smartest person around. He got a leg up on Joe. He fooled Cobra. Uh, and yet he's surprised that Joe and Cobra found him. Well, yeah, like in the swamp where he's known to live. That part bothered me because whether, whether they, I don't, I was having a hard time wrapping my brain around the fact that you sent both of them a message to say the highest bidder gets it. So you should expect like, how are they going to get the money to you? They, you, what the f, Zartan? Yeah, they didn't I, have I, Venmo back then. Come on, yeah, <laughs> they didn't have Green Flow. <laughs> uh, so okay, so uh, we get the Joes converging on 
Zartan's Bayou World Park. And my note here is, I don't know why. This is really weird. I really want a gray sunbow breaker. I do too, but I don't know why a gray sunbow breaker is parachuting down into this amusement park. Uh, that, that is doesn't his, seem to be in his his mo. It's his tertiary military specialty. <laughs> uh, but I I do I I mean for some reason I think it's just because that's a different look. Um, I want that. I want because it just make it gives breaker something a little different. But I want it from like superset. Like I want it in reaction. I don't want like a classified. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a. I mean, I think that's a easy super seven. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we don't have a regular breaker yet. No, no. But during this part, the Sky Strikers are having issues, right? Because <laughs> yes, crazy they are. air patterns. But when they do the shot of Flint's Sky Striker, Lady J and shipwreck are back to sharing the sea yes so at some point they went back to joe headquarters got sky strikers to fly out and instead of being like hey shipwreck uh why don't you partner up with so and so they're like ah come on yeah i'm i'm learning some really interesting dynamics about flint and lady j's relationship (laughs) at this point (laughs) yep but this time, none of them are wearing a flight helmet, so don't crash. Well, they start off wearing a flight helmet, and then later on, it, they're just they're back to wearing their normal. They're, yeah, they're just not. Yeah, a <laughs> little bit of an animation error there, but it's okay. It's not the yeah. worst thing we've seen. So we uh, we've got the assault on Bayou World Park going on, or the the uh, titular amusement park of Doom, and then we go back to GI Joe headquarters. And we have some of the Joes outside standing guard in the rain, which, by the way, rain caused by the weather dominator. When I was a kid, Storm Shadow breaking into G.I. Joe headquarters was one of the coolest things I'd ever seen in my life. I was uh, I was trying to figure out. So who are these Joes? Because we see three Joes. One of them is identified as short fuse. Eventually, Zap is one of the other ones. Mm-hmm. Because he has uh, the Latino the, accent. Yeah. And then there's another one who I couldn't tell if he's supposed I to be an actual know. Joe or if he's just a green shirt. I feel like it's probably an actual named Joe. But the, you can't the tell. Credits just have it as short cues and zap. Well, and because oh, we, there's okay. the, there's one shot where he's got the different helmet with that has like kind of the crest in the middle, like the green shirts have. Oh, maybe it is just a green shirt. Well, and we've yeah. seen that in prior episodes where a green shirt was just hanging out with some named Joes. Yeah. Uh, cause on, on the, uh, when they're on the reef, we've got, we had, I don't remember who it was, but two named Joes in a green shirt. So that, mm-hmm. that is, they were used as filler in that way. Yeah. Cause I was, I thought at first it was going to be flash cause he's got the, the, the visor mm-hmm. and they identify him as short fuse. I was like, Oh, that's one of like, what, three times in this entire series that short fuse <laughs> is acknowledged. Yeah. Right. Uh, so this scene is great. Uh, we get inside and Timber is just hanging out with a random green shirt. <laughs> well, you know, Snake Eyes is captured. So Timber's got to find something to do. And guard duty is, is, you know, that's the job you give a wolf. Well, cause he's useful. That's, that's he's true. The one that first starts alerting Un- them. Unlike Snake Eyes and Junkyard, Timber right. is useful. Uh, so uh, Storm Shadow gets inside and is climbing up this bizarre containment 
thing that consists of a giant glass tube with lasers inside. Uh, Timber catches wind of him, turns around, starts barking, and Storm Shadow throws one of the most classic G.I. Joe weapons of all time, a sleeping gas-throwing star. (laughs) And the two green shirts and Timber go down like baby goats. After they yell out, sleeping gas! (laughs) Yes, sleeping gas. Well, they wanted, I mean, they had to make it clear it was not death gas. Right. Or mustard gas or, you know, something else, because they do fall down and appear to be quite dead to the point where Timber's tongue is hanging out of his mouth. Uh, I know 11 years before Mission Impossible made it like a mm -hmm. a visual meme. That's right. Storm Shadow is doing the little descent down to get this uh, this, this piece of the, the weather dominator. And I got to tell you, I kind of wish the Super 7 Ultimate was coming with all that gear. That would have been like I would have paid a little extra for the backpack with the winch in it and that mm-hmm. weird thing he hooks it to. Uh, so, yeah, he lowers himself down. This was all just blowing my mind when I was a kid. I was, <laughs> let's see, 85. I would have been nine years old watching this. This is incredible. Uh, and then we go back outside and we get one of my favorite lines from this entire miniseries. It's short fuse. A couple of minutes ago when I didn't hear anything, I ain't hearing it again. <laughs> like, that's actually a really good line. Like, because they, yeah. they had mentioned when Storm Shadow was sneaking into the base, they were outside in the guard duty. And uh, they had a little, conver- you know, a quick exchange about, I don't hear anything. Oh, okay. Well, whatever. I, like, this was, I, I don't know. I just really like that line. I, I think it's a a fun way to sort of illustrate the the moves of the ninja. Uh, and when Super 7 gets to ultimates of Zap, Short Fuse, and the other one, I hope they come with ponchos. <laughs> it's nice, soft, good ponchos. Uh, would be great. Oh, another note I have here, because we're back to uh, Bayou, Bayou World Park. Who builds a castle in a swamp? Well, the king said it was daft to build a castle in a swamp, but I built it all the same. Just to show them. So the assault on Bayou World Park, which is hard for me to say because it kind of doesn't make sense. Why isn't it just Bayou World? Uh, Continues on. Wait, but now I get my favorite line. Do it. In this whole episode. When Destro says Zartan is going to taste the bitter fruits of vengeance. <laughs> uh, referenced in our last live stream. Yes. That's right. That's right. I, when he said that, I I had to rewind it and just listen to that like three or four times. I'm like, I need this on a shirt. Destro had some, some several notable notes uh, in this episode. Uh, this yeah. portrayal of Zartan though i i really love him as how much of a third party he is in this mm-hmm. playing joe honestly playing the role that i always envisioned destro as being in mm. uh so we get outside to where the joes are going to disable the power to the amusement park cobra's just full-on frontal assault and they run into the Dreadnoughts 
running these remote controlled kitty cars as Destro calls them. Uh, I think and most of us know them as bumper cars. <laughs> yeah. I, I want toys of these little bumper cars. Oh, they're great with the little cannons popping yeah, out of the, the front. Cannons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Super seven. That would look, I'm probably going to buy a super sevens comic-con exclusive this year, but if they had released those little cars instead, I would be much happier. Uh, and then Ripper falls through the tent so hard he tears a hole in it. The How does that even work? Yeah, you're right. The Dreadnoughts probably assembled that tent. So that makes sense. And then Zartan's inside watching the Dreadnoughts like completely fail and is not put out by it even a bit. Like he knows what to expect from these people. And then, of course, there's a Cobra Trooper who spots them and starts yes. shooting at them in almost like a comedically, it's almost like satire of how bad Cobra is a shot. Because, I mean, he's got point blank range. and He is <laughs> he is six feet away from Ripper. And the thing is, Torch is like, he knows. So he's just laughing. He's like, oh, well, let's get out of here. Yeah, he's like, Ripper's going to die. Let's go. <laughs> and then Ripper does not die because Cobra's troopers are worse than stormtroopers and this is the this is what i was talking about earlier when i said we were going to get to a what the freak moment because your your escape route is a roller coaster that is my next note That doesn't by, even by the complete way itself it stops at a certain point on the track like Zartan, you did not think this one through, buddy. Your escape route is a roller coaster that is also your broadcast transmitter. Oh, good point. <laughs> <laughs> and and nobody nobody with a, a gun could think, okay, it's moving forward. I just have to aim right here and shoot. Like, nope, it's a moving target. We're screwed. I mean, judging from how often people in Sunbow get shot, I think what you just said is pretty accurate. Mm. Oh, that's moving where I'm not even going to bother trying to hit that. Uh, so yes, their escape route is a roller coaster. Uh, and then Destro, or I'm sorry, Zartan and the Dreadnoughts, uh, headed towards the little pier, the Dreadnoughts escape on their own individual swamp skiers, which also now I want to buy more swamp skiers, but I know they're, I think they're pretty expensive. Uh, for what they are for the three and three quarter. Yeah. You're paying 30 to 50 bucks. Yeah. I'm not, I don't need but, that. Yeah, they got a lot of little parts. To get lost. Yeah. There is a person that is selling 3d kits for a classified scale swamp skier. You just have to put it together and I paint it. Don't know if that's this one, but somebody on his tank got a classified swamp skier kit and it is apparently quite flimsy. Mm. Now, I don't know if it's the one you're referencing. Not that we need another Zartan in this line, but I uh, know, right? That, that would be a really yeah. easy deluxe figure to throw in a swamp skier. I'm still shocked they didn't just do that. But I think at that point in the line, because the last Zartan we got was the Master of Disguise. Mm-hmm. And I think even at that point in the line, they were still a little iffy. Because we had what Baroness's motorcycle. Mm-hmm. I think the Ram was out by then, right? I don't think so. I don't know. I don't, I don't believe so. Because I had Zartan okay. before. Uh, 
I well, no, I'm talking about the Master of Disguise. Oh, right? Master of Disguise. Yeah, yeah. The, the Ram was out by the time that was out. I'm pretty sure. Oh. Because I, I, I just really feel like that should have been an option. But anyway, whatever the case, maybe we'll get a Swamp Skier one day and have to buy a fourth Zartan. Give us, give us <sighs> the Ninja Zartan with the Mohawk. But yes. Include the Swamp Skier with. Yes. Because I would totally buy it. Let's do it. Uh, so, uh, Zartan is trying to escape in a water moccasin, and Destro just reaches down and grabs him, and we see that his chest plate, it's not actually armor, it's a hypercolor shirt. Yes, <laughs> I, that was in my notes. Yes, we got glowing Zartan back. We had him in episode two, and nothing since. It's, it's a mood shirt, uh, but it is a shirt and not armor, whereas his hood, we still... In the Sunbow verse, we are still not quite clear on whether it's a hood or hair. <laughs> I'm pretty sure the uh, animators did not know. No, they definitely didn't know. <laughs> uh, so Zartan gets brought back to the Cobra Temple by Destro and Cobra Commander. I love. What do you guys think of this interaction between Zartan, Cobra Commander, and Destro here? Oh, uh, are we there yet? Are we still? Oh, there was because we st- I still have the Joes escaping. Oh, what? Yo, we, go, go ahead. Oh, yeah, ahead. no, we go back because we go back to um, our Hondalu. Yeah, is, so this is our Princess Leia moment. Yes, yes. She just finds this random manhole cover inside the Cobra, uh, the Cobra Temple, and she and Roadblock and and Duke and Snake Eyes just go down into the sewers and pull the manhole t- uh, on top. Cobra spots them. There's like several troopers in a crimson guard. They spot them. They see them going down this hole. And yet once they get down to the bottom, there's no sense of urgency to keep moving. It's like, you know, they can just pull that thing up and shoot you right now. Right. Yeah. Cause based off the animation shot, I thought those troopers were now in the room. Like they saw them, they started shooting. Yes. Loop yes. This up. So I thought she was going to use that as a shield, but no, cause the, cobras are missing them and when they get down in the water duke is like uh here i can put this gi joe transmitter so they can find us <laughs> you didn't think to turn that on at any point right you have to wait until you're in the sewer well if you remember they had to use the 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 things that created the tron snakes to send a morse code message to the Joe base and Dukes had this transmitter on him the whole time. Right. And, and yeah, so they, they place it and then they just walk off and I'm like, but those Cobra troops should be coming down and you left. They'll just shoot that and destroy it. (laughs) But apparently that's, they must have very limited vision. The Cobra Troops. <laughs> oh, I, I thought so. you. I thought you meant the people writing this. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's not fair, but it's true. Uh so yes, you're right. We we did go back to the sewers. I skipped over that part, even though it's complete insanity. There's other insanity that we've got to get to. Uh, we get Zartan. Uh, Destro presents Zartan to Cobra Commander, uh, and clearly is expecting Zartan to just be immolated for daring to defy Cobra and Cobra commander. I, I, what do you guys think? Does he have a little bit of a soft spot for Zartan or is he totally just trolling Destro? I love this because it just makes Destro like apoplectic. Yes. That, (laughs) that, you know, he thinks that, 
he's done this thing and he's going to win Cobra Commander's favor by bringing in the the guy who betrayed him and held him up for all this money. And Cobra Commander's just like, well, we have the part now, don't we? Well, and even more than that, I think Zart- uh, Destro is excited because he thinks Zartan is just going to straight up get murdered. Mm. Like, he, yep, yes, he wants it. Cobra Commander's approval, but more than that, he wants to see his his foe just dead. Which, like, you know, you would think if Destro wanted it that bad, he could have taken care of this on his own. He's he's, he's a pretty high-ranking member. Well, but he, want, he wants that approval, too. But, like, look, right. I am presenting it to you. But when he grabbed Zartan on that dock, he acted like he was going to. And then Zartan, I don't remember the exact line, but Zartan was basically like, well, wait, would you kill a prisoner that surrenders? And then Destro's like, oh, yeah. No, I'm like, okay, but well, Des- I also think that Cobra Commander does have a sp- soft spot for Zartan and the Dreadnoughts because he is the one that continues to hire them. Right. So well, he knows how valuable they are, not just in his pursuits of world domination, but also in keeping Destro somewhat in check. Right. No, it's a win-win because he loves to, as you said, troll Destro. So. He's not going to hurt Zartan, and that's just going to give him the extra bonus of driving Destro crazy. Yes. But Destro totally should have just smacked Zartan upside the back of his head. (laughs) So uh, to rejoin Hondalu West and the people that are following her around. Well, one more thing I noticed in the scene they show as they're bringing in the all three of the parts of the Weather Dominator again. The sizes of these components oh, vary yeah. wildly throughout this series. Yes. The, the the one that uh, um, uh, as uh, I can't Spirit and Storm Shadow were just you know hauling with the two of them earlier is now on a set of wheels. There are four troopers that are being used to push it, and it's the size of a Volkswagen. Yes, <laughs> yes, yeah, and well, and and the same thing with the uh, the pointy one at yeah. the the front. One that, like yeah, Major Blood was able to grasp just and, carry like, one it under arm his arm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's it's hilarious. All all three of them have changed sizes drastically over the course of this whole thing. Uh, so we return to our escapees, and Hondalu, for no reason whatsoever, distracts a cobra. And it's not like Roadblock sneaks up behind him or anything. She's talking to the Cobra Trooper or officer or whatever it is. It's got a silver emblem. Mm-hmm. She's talking to him and Roblox just walks out and attacks him. And the other two across the room are like, hey, our buddy's getting attacked. And then they get the shelf pushed over on him. There was no reason whatsoever for Honda Lou West to be providing that distraction. They were just putting her in danger again. She she wants to show what she can do. Yes. Yes, she does. And and we've got that that special little mini segment <laughs> coming up in just a couple of notes here that I can't wait to uh throw this one at you. Uh so uh this so we're in this room where they've just taken out these three Cobra troopers, and it just so happens to be the room where Destro stores his deadly vines of doom or whatever they are. Uh and Roadblock gets a little like weird and crazy he takes (laughs) some of the vines 
and talks about how he's going to get uh, revenge on Cobra Commander. And we actually get Duke and Snake Eyes have a little exchange where Snake Eyes gives Duke the like Looney Tunes <laughs> finger gesture about Roadblock because they don't know about the vines because they were captured way before the vines came into the, the right. play. And uh, Roadblock pops the pops the bottle open, which makes the exact same sound that uh, um, Super Mario World 2, when uh, you make an egg with Yoshi, it's the exact same sound effect. He pops these little things in his hand. That's incredible. <laughs> I, I, I wound it like several times like, yep, that's the that's I think they got that for the game from this episode. That's amazing. Or from a stock collection of. Right, you know, right, right. <laughs> Uh, He's gonna stick that thumb right in Cobra's <laughs> nose. Yes. <Yeah>. What? <laughs> what? Who talks like that? Uh, so back to the Cobra Temple, or, or I guess back upstairs in the Cobra Temple. Uh, Cobra Commander tells uh, the Weather Dominator has been reassembled. Cobra Commander tells Destro to get at it, and Destro says, "No force on Earth is a match for nature gone mad." <laughs> He completely just goes bonkers at this point. Hurry up, Destro. No force on Earth is a match for nature gone mad. <laughs> well, he, you know, after the last time we see him, he's just seething. And now he's just like, all right, I'm thrilled to get back on my weather dominator again. Yeah, I th- and you know what? I think you're right. I think that's exactly what it is. He's got his toy back. Everything's put back together. Cobra Commander's given him the go-ahead to do whatever. He knows he's got people attacking, so he can direct the full force of the Weather Dominator. He's just excited. Uh, and now the Weather Dominator shoots orange energy. Just sh- It's not even dominating the weather. It's just blasting giant cheeto energy at the gi joes just like just hits four sky strikers in mid-flight and somehow these characters inside of them do not die well yeah it doesn't and that's the thing it doesn't even destroy them so it's not like it sends them backwards (laughs) it yeah it it just gets them discombobulated flying around like the little uh remember those little popcorn popper you had yeah. when you were a kid <laughs> yeah. the multicolored they're like they're in one of those uh but then uh we get one of the, i think it's cobra commanders or maybe it's destro says we we've uh we heated them up now we need to cool them off so apparently that was just shooting flame which is not something the weather does yet anyway uh and then they start a blizzard and you guys i've got to give it to them we we are I I won't say we I don't want to speak for Christian and Noel here I have openly mocked the GI Joe should be real people the GI Joe should be grounded in reality the GI Joe should all wear matching uniforms and look like uh, modern military operatives all of those people maybe they have a point about all of the open GI Joe vehicles because we see the slugger. And the vamp and the Wolverine, their drivers are all freezing in this <laughs> blizzard because they're just out exposed to the elements because these are silly, dumb, dumb fantasy vehicles. <laughs> so you guys, you, you G.I. Joe should be real people. Maybe 
you're kind of right sometimes. But that that scene also proves what uh, the resolve of CoverGirl, because you've got this shot where where Thunder jumps out of the slugger and is like, nope, I'm just leaving it behind. Runs away. Yeah. And, but CoverGirl stays in that Wolverine. And the slugger even has a little hatch. Yeah, he could have gone inside. Yes. And it's fast. The <laughs> slugger is much faster than the Wolverine. What a qu- thunder. You're an embarrassment. Uh, okay. Uh, so here we go, guys. This is it. This is the note uh, I have been teasing for a little while now. I want to throw this out there for conversation. Without the toy line to provide context, why is Shipwreck a Joe and Hondalu isn't? She saves the Joes like three times and Shipwreck does nothing. <laughs> Agreed. No. And no. I love Shipwreck, but his joining the team has made no sense since episode two he is the indiana jones of gi joe (laughs) in that his presence changes absolutely nothing about what happens uh we need i we've we've said it many times over the course of these reviews and we're going to say it again right now super seven hasbro every company that's capable of making gi joe action figures hiya toys whoever all of you Need to produce a Honda Lou West immediately. She is deserving. She is. This is this is worse than Chewbacca not getting the medal mm-hmm. at the end of A New Hope. Mm-hmm. Honda Lou West not being a GI Joe. I am disgusted. I mean, how many times did we see this though? Where usually a female character is essentially teased as being the next member of GI Joe, and it never happens. We discussed that with Raven. Uh, in that one episode yes. as well. But, although, but, I, to but, be fair with her, other... I don't think there were many episodes left after that for them <laughs> they, to follow they were not. up with. <laughs> but in all those other episodes, they're one and done. Honda Lou has been with them for yes. four episodes now. Or, no, three episodes. If it wasn't for her, Roadblock, Snake Eyes, and Duke, three of the most produced action figures would be dead <laughs> think about that hasbro all right uh so our our little team uh of heroes led by honda lou west uh, go into the cobra control room and i gotta tell you guys at this point cobra commander's only reaction to seeing roadblock again should be why are you still here <laughs> it has been like a week roadblock has been running around this cobra temple forever Think about the number of times he's run in and out of that control room over the course of this miniseries. It's ridiculous. Um, so Roadblock runs into the control room, throws his little vines at uh, everything, basically. The vines say, that, you know what? You know who deserves to be a G.I. <laughs> Joe more than Shipwreck? The vines. The vines should be G.I. Joes. I, I have it in my notes. Are the vines sentient? Yes, because yes, yes, they I, are. I thought, okay, apparently dehydrated vines, all you have to do, get them wet, and they just start growing like a beanstalk. Okay, but it's 
not just that, they grow up the support column for the weather dominator, pull off Destro, grab a hold of the handle of the and, weather dominator, and and activate it. Well, and they, they also they see uh, they're going after Zartan, and then Zartan blends in with the, the environment, and they can't see him anymore, so they yes. stop going after him. Right. And I'm skipping ahead, but once there's a part, once they have Cobra Commander, when Roblox starts talking yes. to Cobra Commander, they turn him to face Roblox. <laughs> so <laughs> Roblox, Roblox got some control over these vines, methinks. Like, like what happened in that cave <laughs> with Roblox and those vines that we did not see? Oh, wow. Is he like Chris Pratt in Jurassic <laughs> World? Yes. Yes, he is the vine Only whisperer. better. Uh, so uh, this is all going on in Cobra. However, despite the control room being controlled by vines, Cobra is attempting to lower the temple back into the desert. And to this, I say, who cares? <laughs> it's not like it's going down to a tunnel and it's going to drive away like the Technodrome. It's a it's a giant building. All it is is now it's underground. We still know where it is. Like, it doesn't get away at this point, uh, but they treat it like it is. And uh, Flint and his, his intrepid crew fly in through the front of the temple and blow up the giant screw thing that okay oh, what do we got so, what do we got uh, uh, so this this scene actually at first i was like oh this is really exciting because it's going down it was and exciting like like uh we gotta get in there right now the shot the sky striker goes in and then that uh, opening yeah. was totally under the it sand. was gone it was we, gone we get our our Death Star, Death trench Star, scene. totally Death Star trench scene. Why? Why is well, the screw to really? Raven it's more. Of, it's really more the Death Star reactor scene from yeah, from, Je from, from Jedi. Jedi. But yes, same thing. It's it's on the entry level of the pyramid. Here is my theory on the lower level. Here is here. Well, yeah, that's a problem, but whatever. It's fine. It's, it's fine. It's bad fine. architecture. Here is my theory about that, though, is that, yes, they flew in the, the hangar. The hangar very clearly went below ground level. But when they blew up the giant screw thing, it jostled it up. And, yeah, and the hangar was exposed again, and they were able to Because it is out. at an angle. Sure. It's fine. It and totally makes sense. Why, maybe that's why Cobra changed it for the Terradrome. And that, yes. Because they're like, you know... And that that was like even now that was a pretty exciting like edge of your seat scene. It looked cool. It was fun. Like it it was very Return of the Jedi. It, it was good. I I enjoyed yeah. it. Uh so yeah, the temple is totally like tilted over. The Joes are attacking, uh, and then up on top of the temple, we have Destro running towards. Really, one of the most utilitarian vehicles Cobra has, the glide. What is it? The, Vi the oh, Viper not, Glider, yes. Yeah, the Viper Glider, uh, which, by the way, Super 7, I've said this many, many times. I'll say it many, many more, I'm sure. Super 7, can you please just make the Falcon and the Viper? Just do it. Reaction figures could plug right into them. 
although this is insane. So I wanted to, this is a little tangent, but I wanted to crew my maggot with reaction cobras because, you know, we got all those cheap reaction cobras at Joe Fest mm-hmm. last year. The peg holes in the reaction figures feet are smaller than the pegs on GI Joe toys. Well, they're modern. They're, they're modern size peg. Like they probably would fit with a modern, uh, Joe toy, right? I don't know. I have, they have checked. smaller, they have smaller pegs, but modern Joe toys there. There aren't many that have pegs like that. Yeah. I wish I had a reaction. I know, well, they right retooled here. the pegs on any, any newer vehicle. So. Yeah, that's I've got I've got an armadillo right here, but I don't have a reaction figure handy, so I can't. Uh, I I'm finding it hard to believe I don't have a reaction figure sitting around here somewhere. I've got them all over the place, but anyway, whatever. <laughs> uh, so yeah, oh, I do, I do have a reaction figure. Okay, wait, wait, wait. We're gonna do a little test right now, even though we're not on video. We're gonna try this out. So I've got a modern armadillo. And I've got a blue demon reaction figure because those are things that go together all the time. Uh, and I'm going to try and put his, oh, well now see his peg hole, the hole in his foot is huge. This is, I don't know if I've got, I don't know if I can reach. Oh wait. Yeah. I've, because I just so happen to have a mobile command center setting, sitting next <laughs> to me. Um, okay. This is dumb. So this blue demon, which is one of the older Super 7 reaction figures, this is after after Super 7 got the reaction license back from Funko. This blue demon is one of the first uh, figures that they released. His peg hole is... 80s real american hero sized the mm. super seven knows but the current gi joe reaction figures have smaller peg holes than this blue demon this makes mm. no sense but at least at least i can have blue demon hanging out in the mobile command center because that's honestly something that was on my bucket list uh all right so anyway after that insane sidetrack uh, where were we? Okay, so Destro is escaping on the glider, picks up the Viper glider, flies off, and then Zartan, his nemesis, the guy that he was trying to get killed earlier, hops on top of the Viper glider, and we get the comedic flying around uh, escaping scene. So these two do escape while Cobra Commander is subdued by G.I. Joe. Uh, and then as the Joes, which by the way, why is Doc one of the guys? Uh Doc's in a lot of places Doc probably shouldn't be in this entire series. <laughs> He's one of the guys subduing Cobra Commander. Well, who Doc, else would? Doc. Doc and rock and roll. <laughs> so, you know. And Cobra Commander literally just hisses at them as it <laughs> like it's not even part of his dialogue. He no. just goes. As they tote him off. It's fantastic. Uh, so Breaker gets sent up because Breaker, in since Doc is busy hauling Cobra Commander off to the brig or whatever, Breaker is your backup technology guy. 
Uh, they send him up in the weather dominator and he uh, fixes all the weather all over the place, except he makes it snow on the GI Joe base in the middle of the desert. And he says, nobody's perfect. And Flint says, no, but we do. Okay. And I got to tell you guys right now, I think that's a better motto than knowing is half the battle. <laughs> uh, we, so, are, we are mid at best. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so any final thoughts about this? Uh, one more incredible episode of the revenge of Cobra. What any, any other notes you guys have? This was a fun ride. It really was. This has yeah. been a, a great time doing all these episodes. Of, of all the episodes that we have reviewed since starting this, I have had the most fun with these. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. I mean, they're all, you know, I loved all the reviews sure. that we do. Yeah, we yeah, always yeah, have yeah. a great time, but these this have is, really. G.I. Joe works better when they get a mini series to really stretch these stories out and focus versus trying yeah. to cram a whole adventure into 22 minutes. Yeah. I mean, we, you know, you introduce new characters, you make these characters interesting, you know, you flesh out like these relationships, they've done it. Like they do a really good job with all of these initial three miniseries. Mm-hmm. Um, and justice for Honda Lou. Yes, that's right. Who is cheering along with the rest of the Joes at the end of the scene? Um, and apparently, I think Sparks is in the front row. I was trying to trying to identify everybody who's cheering later on. Yeah, there's a lot of because every time Breaker fixes the weather somewhere, they they do a big Yojo celebration, and there there's a lot going on. Well, this was a blast, uh, Revenge of Cobra. I mean. As far as I'm concerned, all of Sunbow is essential viewing. If you're a GI Joe fan, I know there are Joe fans that that don't like Sunbow or that you know for whatever reason. But this stuff is fun. This stuff has it's to me these cartoons hold up the best of any of the '80s cartoons, and that's not just my GI Joe fandom talking. That's I really do just think that the quality, um, the look of them, the writing, like there, there's a lot of tongue in cheek. There's a lot of self-awareness uh, to it that just makes it very charming and very entertaining to watch. Mm-hmm. Welcome to Instruments of Destruction, where we look at a G.I. Joe vehicle or playset uh, from any year during the uh, run of the uh, the series. We are going to stick around where we often go for this period of time, back in the 1980s, uh, peak years for G.I. Joe in, uh, in many people's opinions. Uh, but we're going to probably look at one of the biggest things we've looked at in this segment thus far, from 1987, the G.I. Joe Mobile Command Center. Uh, this was released in 1987, uh, included a driver by the name of Steamroller. Um, and as the name would imply, this is a, a G.I. Joe headquarters command center 
that does move. It's got uh, it's got tank treads uh, with tiny little wheels that uh, allow it to move across certain sur- uh, su- uh, certain surfaces. Um, it has three different levels, and it comes apart not unlike a tackle box or a, a caboodles. Uh, if you if you know what a caboodles oh, wow. is, wow! <laughs> Whoa, I was not ready for that reference. <laughs> But I mean, tons of playability. It's not as iconic as, say, your USS Flag or your um, your your Terradrome or even the original GI Joe Command Center. But it's a lot more dan- dynamic than, especially the original Joe Headquarters, um, and just a just a real fun toy. Uh, this is something that I never had as a kid. It kind of came at the end of my collecting time, and I didn't have a lot of large playsets anyway. And this was never in the G.I. Joe cartoon because it would have been, uh, you know, only the things that came out in the movie were the things that we saw for 87. So uh, it's kind of a thing that I, I kind of dreamed about having towards the last of my run, but uh, but just never, never had my collection. But uh, amazing. I, I got one not too long ago. I started kind of piecing it together. Uh, and then I found one complete. And I just was like, well, this is this is so much easier than trying to piecemeal this thing. Um, I mean, features we could go on for days, but I believe, uh, Dave, you just got your hands on one of these here recently. Uh, I did. I actually had one of these when I was a kid and I always, for whatever reason, I always think of this as an 86 toy, which is not accurate, but it's just because I would imagine it came out for Christmas of 87 and by 80, like 87 was my last year of Joe to the point where. I know I had hit and run in version two storm shadow and they stand out to me because I know I wasn't buying Joe's in 88 really. So to have a latter day 87 vehicle just seems weird, but I loved this thing. It absolutely, I don't want to say replaced because there was no point where I left any Joe toys behind, but it became my new center of activity for the Joe's when I got it. Uh, and I, it's not like, you know, you mentioned it's got the, the, the treads on it with the wheels underneath. Uh, but it's, I don't remember ever really driving it around that much, but the, just the, everything about it, it's just fantastic. It's got the vehicle maintenance bay. It's got the two bunks that are, you know, they, they can be bunks. They can be medical bays, whichever you prefer. But the thing that I think really, oh, and it's got one of the key necessities of any great playset. It has a jail cell. What one that lowers down, man? This was yes. This this is a pretty it's, frightening well, jail. It's almost like psychological torturey. <laughs> I I I agree with you on one hand, but I also have to disagree with you a little bit now this is not one that i own um and it's not one that i liked actually and i know like when you guys have had discussions about it like just as when i was younger aesthetically i didn't like it like nothing could replace the original gi joe headquarters in my eyes and then when i got to see dave holding it at joe fast um i started to come around to it so knowing that we were going to do it for this it has 
the accessory, the quintessential accessory that determines a great playset for an 80s toy line, and that is an elevator. <laughs> oh, yeah. I did not. This is the first that I knew that it had an elevator, and that makes it now. Uh, I, it's the most impractical elevator uh, of absolutely. any 80s toy set. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, when I when I say elevator, I'm using Dr. Evil uh, finger quotes yeah, whenever I, I yes. say that, because... <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah, it, when it, I was when I was looking at it on 3D Joe's, and I was like scrolling around, and I was like, "Wait, is that a watchtower? That's an <laughs> elevator." Yeah, there's that goes nowhere. Okay, there is perhaps more suspension of disbelief involved in playing with this toy than any other GI Joe toy ever released, because of course, realistically. This vehicle does not open up like a tackle box. Like in the real world, this would just be like the Jawa Sandcrawler. But they gave it that functionality so you could interact with all the different levels. But in my head, it's it's just always that vehicle. Noel, is that how you perceive it, or do you Yeah, I mean when I when I think of how this would be in the real world. Um, you know, I think, I think of it as a, as a vehicle that would be a solid thing and there would be, you know, staircases that go up and down the different levels and and it wouldn't unfold. But I also kind of think, you know, when you're, when you're playing, obviously when you're playing with these toys, they're, they're smaller, they, they're, they're smaller than the vehicle they would actually represent in the real world. Right. Right. So like you're thinking, okay, this is kind of like an interesting little isometric view from inside of it somewhere if you know with different levels in a, in kind of a fantasy world so it's it's got a ton of playability that way it does make it fun to play with but like i i wouldn't imagine that in real life the vehicle would unfold like this tackle box but who knows that might have been a strategic advantage to have this giant open headquarters <laughs> like that in bizarro world it's also got giant holes in the side of it uh why yeah, they didn't that, why they didn't put panels and doors, I realized something yeah something that could cover that when it is closed up because it's really glaring especially considering like if you're gonna if you're gonna put it on that side like i have mine turned around to where that and the elevator because the elevator is also hideous up against it um <laughs> those are those are hidden away oh interesting okay so let me ask you this because this terrified me uh, I did not remember how the elevator stored on it when it's closed up, but the pressure the elevator puts on that bottom door, I will never, ever, ever put mine, this elevator on it like that. Mine just dangles from the top. Yeah. It's not locked in place. My gosh. No, absolutely <laughs> not. Yeah. I and thought that I was going to break the thing. Well, the guy that I bought it from. Uh, who who was super nice and gave me, I, I think, a, a very solid deal on it. Uh, he told the door he didn't have it attached. And he said, here's the door. The pegs are intact. I'm not going to put it on. I'll let you do that because the pegs on that door are broken so often. And I was like, well, that's weird because this seems pretty sturdy to me. But if people are storing the elevator like that, that it totally explains to me why those pegs are broken. Mm -hmm. Because it puts pressure and stress on those two pegs 
that I, I would never want. Uh, so yeah, the vehicle maintenance bay is fantastic. You can get a vamp, an all striker, any of the smaller vehicles in there. You've got three different hoses of things for some reason. What what is your speculation as to what each of these hoses is? Uh, so I mean, you got your fuel hose, right? Sure. Uh, you know, maybe maybe different types of fuel for different types of vehicle. I'm sure one, that uh, one one regular, one, one is, unleaded. Yeah, yeah. One I mean, is air compression. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. I'll take that. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know what? You're absolutely right. I bet the one that's coiled up is supposed to be air. One is uh oil and one is gas or diesel well it might be diesel mm-hmm. and of course you've got uh it's also got like the repair bay in there with the it's got a little crane and it has uh a, a an engine for an off striker yes happens to be in there that hooks to the crane mm-hmm. by that little loop which is fantastic yeah that uh lots of fun to be had in there uh, clutch can hang out in there. Uh, crankcase looks a little less uh, handy than clutch. I think clutch actually works on his vehicles. Crankcase just drives them. Um, and then you've also got tons of weapon storage over on the right side there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can get like a hundred rifles in in that storage bay uh and plenty of foot pegs although it's interesting me uh to interesting to me that they're only foot pegs on that bottom level there are no foot pegs on the stairs there are no foot pegs on either of the upper levels so that's that's interesting yeah that's odd uh the next level up you have the the prison the medical bay and this that as cool as the descending prison is this chair that moves back and forth across mm-hmm. oh man with the uh and you have the the transparent uh yes. like computer screen just like the ad at yes uh the this is just awesome and the chair has a peg in the back so when you sit the joe in it you can move it around and they don't fall out every time you move it um and I just I just love the idea because you have this uh, this descending prison cell and there are stairs right next to it and there's a platform that's right at the top of it and I just imagine like Joe's just standing above there looking down at their cobra prisoner and taunting them yes possibly like dropping things on their head you know who knows they could be urinating on them we never we don't know what shipwreck terrible things shipwreck is absolutely standing up yes. there just peeing all the time uh because he's a jerk uh the two like i said bunks or medical bays depending on what what you want to do uh just so cool that they fold up like that just such a nice little design touch Mm -hmm. um and then of course the top level with all of the the fact that they've got those extra missiles that are stored up there is just such a cool extra touch. Yeah. Uh, so you've got this, this whole, everything folds out of the top here. Uh, this center console that slides back and forth that somebody, it's a little confusing. So somebody sits in the middle of that part 
and I guess they're just inside the turret of this rocket launcher. Yeah, it's a ma- manually guided rockets, I guess. But it's just, it's a fun play feature. Yeah. Any 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 extra space where you've got to stick a Joe in to do something is great. And then, then of course, uh, also in the top level, you have the least convincing helipad in the history <laughs> of Toydom. <laughs> I, I would I, not put anything that weighs more than the jetpack <laughs> on that. Yeah. Yeah, um, you you might get away with a Skyhawk, uh, but I'm not putting a Dragonfly on that thing. No. That, that thing's going to break right off. But and no, it's also... I've seen pictures of it. I, I honestly just thought it was another jump pad. Yeah, so they I... describe it as a helipad? It's got it's a big got H on it. H on it. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, it's got the big H on it. It's it's hilarious. H is for hilarious. Um. But it is a neat, you know, again, it's just, it's a panel that opens up because it's, it's, you know, to cover the thing. It is neat that they gave it functionality. I do appreciate that. Uh, But Christian, what you said, it actually would have been really cool if they had just, rather than sculpting that H, if they had just sculpted the top of the jump platform onto that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. that would have been really neat i that and then like i said i wouldn't i don't even know if i'd put a sky well back when i was a kid i don't think i ever put the dragonfly on this but skyhawk for sure i probably did but now i don't even know if i'd put a skyhawk on this yeah, i don't know that mine's pretty it feels pretty good but i i still am not taking any chances uh so one of the most fun features of this thing is the escape slide mm-hmm we were talking about this before we started recording, and then we realized, hey, we're getting ready to record. Maybe we should shut up and actually record what we're getting ready to talk about. So the sticker, the slide release sticker on mine, it's how this sticker works is the middle part is is you're supposed to cut it out and put it around the slot that the slide tab goes up into. Well, they hadn't even on the one that I got, they had not even cut it out. The sticker was just over the slot, but my slide, the tab does not go up into that hole. It is just not fit. How, how is yours snow? Well, I don't have it in front of me right now, but I, I don't remember anything like that. I know mine so, is pretty functional. Okay, so that that's really bizarre. Um and and it's it's not there's nothing wrong with the plastic, nothing is is like messed up. It just the little tab on the slide will not go into that little rectangle. Hmm. Uh so I have when I close uh the mobile command center back up, I have to hold the slide in place to get the third level into the second level Hmm. uh but this is this is a fantastic toy i for some reason oh and you know we didn't even talk about the uh the control the the front portion where steamroller goes with two other joe figures yeah the three seat command bay is awesome the windows on the side and then the opening canopy in the front, like this design is so cool. 
Yeah, that was the one thing that, like, when I got the one, the first one I had gotten, it it was missing those, like, the whole front canopy. Essentially, like, the shell, and it's got a lot of the in- interior parts, but it doesn't have that that front piece. So okay. I, I found pieces of it, and I was trying to, like, just fit the thing together. And it's, a, like, the way it's designed, it's got a really cool, like, streamlined look to it, which is funny, because this is not a vehicle that's designed for speed. Um, but that that front window that folds down the way you get them in there. I mean, it's just, it's a really neat uh, just overall design of this thing. And the fact that you can get three figures right there in the front, obviously, you know, right there, right there for the world to see and not very well shielded in that cockpit, (laughs) but this is GI Joe. I mean, look, they're better off than whoever's piloting a Wolverine. That's true. That's true. Uh, so yeah, and well, and this this shares a certain amount of of design sensibility with the Havoc, uh, with the way that, granted, the Havoc pilot has kind of lays down to the front, but this also has kind of reclined type seating, and the, just that front area reminds me a little bit of the Havoc design style. Uh, but yeah, this is, it, it's not going to make it. I don't think onto my top ten playlists, uh, playlists playsets. But it is awesome. It's it's a ton of fun. I think the clunkiness or awkwardness of it prevents it from being as perfect as as I would want it to be. Uh, and also, honestly, those holes on the side knock off some points too. Yeah, and I I never did see. Um, did you own the reissue of this one? No, I didn't, and I feel like such a dumb dumb for not buying it because it got down to what, like fifteen bucks or something at oh, one point. Yeah, I mean they were to- Toys R Us was teaming with them at one point, and I think the original retail was only about fifty, right? Yeah, I think when it, well when it first showed up at the time, I was like, uh, I can't spend that, and, and then it yeah dropped down, and and the original retail on this. Now we know that Yojo is not always accurate with this. But this seems ballpark to me, thirty four ninety nine. Hmm. That sounds about right for that time. Uh, well, you know what? That seems a little low, though, really, because this was the big item for the year, I believe. Well, this would have come out the same year as the Defiant. Oh, you're right. You're right. The Defiant was the big item of the year, and Yojo does say thirty four ninety nine was the retail on it. Yeah, but we know Yojo is not always accurate. Yeah. That just seems a little low, but maybe it's not. Maybe maybe that's what it was. Now let's see if the 2003 has a price. No, it doesn't have. This okay. Yeah. So here is a Woolworths ad in 1987, and it has the Mobile Command Center at 49.99. Okay, that that so seems anywhere... a little more. Well, but and Woolworths, they might have been upcharging like KB, right? So that's what I'm thinking. Like anywhere from thirty-five to fifty dollars, depending yeah. on what type of store. I have to see if I can find a the Sears like eighty-seven catalog and see right. what's showing up there. Yeah, that's what we need. Is mm-hmm. we need a wish book. Yeah, yeah. They like the eighty. The sorry, the two thousand three one doesn't look like they fixed any of the. The flaws like there's no they didn't tool doors on or anything. oh it's i think it's just a, yeah it's a straight it's, repaint yeah i think so 
Um, okay, here we go. Oh, wait, this is Canada. Well, this isn't going to help us. Canadian prices aren't going to mean anything. <laughs> uh, let's see. Internet archive. See, why is it all Sears Canada wish books? Have I got my location set to Canada? <laughs> <laughs> and 1987 is the one year that 3D Joe's doesn't have. Is it wishbook.net? Is that the site we were going to before? Uh, Wishbook Web. Oh, that's where I just was. That's, well, let's look at Canada, I guess. <laughs> and then do a Google search for rate of conversion for 1987. Uh, you're right, right. That's all we got to do. It's no big yeah, deal. This is easy this enough. Is, oh my gosh. I science just, we're doing here. There is some weird stuff in here as you flip through to get to the toys. This this might warrant a further investigation <laughs> on another on another needless things broadcast. Oh my gosh, the toys are so far in the back. Oh, I'm just looking at this stuff. This is all Canadian prices. This is worth yeah, stuff. Yeah, they've got right. Sears Wish Book every year, but 87. They've just got the Canadian one. So all right. Well, Ooh. anyway uh so great play set very innovative i'm just now noticing that mine does not have the red white and blue stripes on the front portion ah. that's weird uh i actually kind of think i like it better without those those look as much as i love the red white and blue on my joe vehicles they look a little corny on this one i'm actually looking at mine right now and i don't i believe mine does not have them either really yeah Oh, I wonder. Uh, unless they're the, part of it's obscured by the bug, I may have to just check to see if they're just applied wrong because that's happened a few times. Oh, okay. Uh, so yeah, Mobile Command Center, great toy, fantastic toy. I would as as happy as I am to have it. I would not consider it essential GI Joe. I wouldn't if somebody wanted a list of like, hey, give me the top 50 things I need to have for a GI Joe starter collection. This wouldn't be on it, but I do love it. I do love it. Any further thoughts about this thing? You guys. That's that it's, it's something that, uh, you know, I'm glad to have my collection now, but yeah, I, I agree. This is as far as essential GI Joe, like play sets, uh 83 hq flag um you know this is probably uh probably a third at best i i would put the tactical battle platform ahead of this yeah yeah i would put tactical battle, battle platform ahead too i always forget that that's a play set right right it's, it's so, so much smaller than the others <laughs> all right let's move on And that is all the show we've got for you this time. Our music is by Andy Semford of electricminnowmusic.com. Follow us on Instagram at Audible Interlude Podcast and on Twitter at G.I. Joe Audible. Uh, please tune in to Cobra Convergence 7 going on all month long. Check out hcc788.com for the schedule and all the details. And if you would like to take part in a future Cobra Convergence, uh, hit up that website. Uh, you get all the details. Noel, why don't you tell us a little bit about the finest? 
The Finest is an international G.I. Joe costuming club. And uh, if you've ever thought about dressing up like your favorite Joe or Cobra or uh, Joe adjacent character, uh, check out our website, thefinestcc.com. Check out the Finest Recruitment Center on Facebook uh, if you got questions. Uh, and help us raise money for a fantastic charity called Canines for Warriors. And Christian, where can we find that toy photography that you do so well? You can find me on Instagram and Flickr.com under Legion Cub. You guys, thank you for once again sitting down and talking about something that we all love so much, G.I. Joe. Until next time, yo, Joe. Cobra. You have been listening to a Needless Things podcast. You can follow Needless Things on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and at needlessthingspodcast.com. Love you. Mean it. Uh Uh-huh.